Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. I'm here with Phil Clavoric. He heads up the Rugby Foundation out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Phil, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, James. Appreciate the invitation. Happy Absolutely. Mother's Day to you. Yes, we are recording today on Mother's Day. It is uh, May. Uh, the world is is still kind of uh, reeling and changing and shifting. I know in Nevada, I believe you all have just started to reopen in Racine here. We're still kind of uh, in so much of a stay-at-home order as much as we can. Um, but before we get into all that, before we get into everything, Phil, this is an episode that I think is selfish for me because uh, I know in the, in the, on the podcast over the years, I have talked about the uh, connections between rugby and esports that I see, again, growing up in a rugby culture. Phil, you head up the Rugby Foundation in Las Vegas, Nevada. What is the Rugby Foundation and, and what was the start of it and why, why are we even talking about rugby and esports today? Sure. So again, thank you for the invitation, James. Uh, so the Rugby Foundation was founded just over, just under two years ago. It's based upon four pillars. One is youth development through education and training. Mm -hmm. Second is the women's focused pathways in sports. Third one is adaptive sports or Paralympic people, wheelchair rugby, et cetera. And the fourth one is our uniform services or police, fire, military, EMS, you know, our frontline people. And you know, there's different pathways and there's different programs inside each one of those. But a lot of this has to come down to, there's a few aspects that I think it's really important. One for youth, it's about bringing in different personal skills and social development, as well as potentially into the workforce needs and development uh, and PTSD health and wellness. So mm -hmm. there's, there's several aspects of this. I don't think that they're actually independent of each other. I think they're very dependent on each other. Uh, and we're going to see how important it is going to be coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic stuff. Yeah, and, and when we talk about esports, one of the things we talk about is redefine athletic culture. At least that's the way I present it as an opportunity for us to do because athletic culture, by and large in the United States, in the traditional sports, when we think football, baseball, basketball, those are sports that are very gender-specific, very ability-specific. But as we know with rugby, rugby is if you show up to practice, if you put in the effort, whether you're male, female, fat, skinny, tall, short, slow, whatever, um, you know, we're all shapes and sizes. We all come together, and it really is a community of people who will take you as you are and find a place for you on the team. Yeah, so that's that's one of the big values about the sport of rugby, particularly in the 15s component, mm -hmm. is that it doesn't matter what your level of expertise is or your fitness level, uh, your size, abilities, age, things like that. There's always positions and actually rugby is one of those sports that's from a contact standpoint it's one of the rare sports that actually continues on as we age so it it varies slightly as we get age i mean you know you can't go out and smash each other like you would as if you were a 25 year old young buck i try but at the end of the day, I, I i'm sitting here in pain in my right shoulder today um and i don't know what it's from but i'm not going to blame rugby i'm going to i'm going to blame something else uh but for me looking at the crossover and the capabilities, it really does blend really well into this up and coming esports world that's really rocketing into success. Um, the rugby world in sevens is an Olympic sport. Uh, it's, you know, which is part of now of what the second or third largest sporting event at, you know, quadrangle 
and, and, let, and let's we have to I think for some people we need to d delineate the difference because we talked about 15s and sevens. So in rugby, typically when you see a match on television, um, you may see where there's uh, 15 people on each side. They play on a very on what basically amounts to a football field. There's also a, a form of rugby called sevens, which is a much shorter game played on the same size of a pitch, basically a football field size, but it's seven on seven. So it's it's a much wider open play, a lot more sprinting, a lot more running. And that's probably what many people have seen, again, with the Olympics. Sometimes they show the Las Vegas sevens uh, on TV. And so I just want to make sure people understand that there's a difference when we say 15s and sevens. Sure. Yeah. And, and I appreciate clearing that up because, again, the audience needs to understand the subtleties. It's kind of like having a, a tournament every weekend in sevens, whereas 15s you can't have that because people are just it's just more way more physical but mm -hmm. in sevens it's kind of like linebacker versus free safety i mean it's just a go uh and you know with no padding and things like that and but the halves are only five minutes long in sevens seven right. seven yeah. minutes yeah oh yeah. seven minutes sorry yeah 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 it may seem like five for you because you're so fast right <laughs> No, that's that's not sevens is not something usually the, though they do have they do have big boys division but usually uh, I will not even partake in a big boys division of sevens that's just a lot of running. Yeah, so. that's usually the third half the old boys. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's the as the world is exploding with esports again because there's a lot of of attention being paid to esports right now because again we don't have a whole lot. Um, we're starting to see that again the commonalities between things between rugby between esports um it's not just the physicality of esport or of, of rugby that um and and the way that we take people in into the sport i think to a huge component of rugby that a lot of people don't understand is the social aspect of it so we when we look at the sport of rugby people who are actually involved in the game and it actually comes surprising to a lot of people who are new to the game is that we, we look at things as being inclusive versus exclusive. Uh, and, you know, people are like, most of the people that get involved in the game is because you know a friend of a friend or you're just show a, a various interests. It's not like they grow up with it. One of the programs that we're doing under the Rugby Foundation is trying to bring flag rugby, a very soft entry point into the sport, into schools, like elementary school, middle schools, so they, they actually, there's no contact. They just, it's like flag football, except with rugby rules. We teach them the match officials or the referees, as we call or we call them match officials. Um, you know, and again, we teach them some of the, these respect stuff. And it, to your point, is that there's the sociology, the social side of the sport is as important as the physical combative component within those period of time. So we encourage the social side of things predominantly after the match, but the, the friendships and everything that are built as a result of that last a long time. I'll give you one example of that. I mean, sure. I can give you a million of those, but whenever I, whenever I travel, if I'm not traveling professionally for my job, um, I, I always wear a rugby shirt, always. Mm -hmm. Because when you're on a plane or you're sitting in a restaurant, I guarantee you somebody who has played rugby or is affiliated to rugby will come over and say, oh, you play rugby and those kinds of things. And all of a sudden you start conversing with a perfect stranger in another country. And it happens all the time. Not, not to mention in your own town that you never realize or something like that. So it's another way of connecting. And, and people who've played the game have that bond. You know it, I know it, and everybody who's played the game, 
You know, I'm going to just parlay here for a quick second, James. Sure. You and I have had this discussion a few times over the last two months since we got to know each other. And while we got connected through esports, we have bonded over the two things, right? The rugby and the esports. Mm -hmm. And if you look at who's connected us with Bubba, Brian, Zach, and Grant, uh, Josh Otero, et cetera, we've all played rugby. What a coincidence, right? Right. And but, but we don't want to be exclusive to the sport. But we can all get the parameters within it, you know, as far as the what we're trying to do as far as bringing it forward into esports. And I think where, again, there's a great parallel here, and you brought it up, is, is uh, I'll give the example of my story where I was at a, a very nice restaurant with my dad having dinner, and I saw a group of gentlemen walk in, and they were wearing uh, Major League Rugby shirts. And Major League Rugby is a United States league. It's not very popular. It just started. It's our first, uh, I guess, one of many attempts, second. I should say, second attempt to uh, start major, uh, a professional rugby league. But uh, they, it, I went over, just as you, you know, said, and I went over and had conversation with them. Turns out they were all referees. They were at, they were all out for dinner, and it was, it, it's. There's a lot of that similarity too with esports. You'll see kids wearing their esports jerseys in town where I am here in Racine, and it's an amazing conversation starter, not just with kids but with other adults who are also playing games. Hey, what games do you play? What, you know, what's your team like? And one of the great social aspects that we've had here in Racine is we have the luxury of having a gaming lounge in town where we're able to take five high school teams and put them all together in the same space. Now, of course, some of that's going to uh, evolve here as we're talking about uh, the new world and, and changing of COVID-19, and we're not sure how this is going to play out quite yet, but there's still th those social connections, when you find those people, when you find the ones, like you said, you, you named off a list of people who are involved in esports who also have a rugby back background. That is something where we share this, this unique fraternity, this common bond, and it goes, again, male and female as well, uh, where you will find people who, uh, we have one in um, Wisconsin High School Esports Association. She's a general manager way up north. She's a rugby player, and we, we found out, you know, just through casual conversation, and it's funny, when we have meetings together, we'll usually sit next to each other, and we usually will, you know, talk not just esports uh, shop, but also talk rugby shop. But again, the social aspect of that is is so key in all this. But let's also talk about the, the physical aspect, because I think a lot of people don't realize, obviously they look at rugby and they go, oh, this is such a physical sport, and you talked about entering into schools with flag rugby. There's a lot of what can be translated from flag rugby back into esports as well, too, that I see. What do you see in this before I share my, my thoughts? Yeah, so I, I sit on the STEM board in the fifth largest school district in the United States here in Las Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. I do the economic development for Las Vegas, and I also work in the nuclear field. So I, my brain is always moving, and I'm looking at connections and that kind of thing. And one of the, one of the things that I saw was that there is a lot of camaraderie built around esports, mm -hmm. uh, you know, around a game or team to team aspect of an area else. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. There's always the strive of being better as well. Now there's a social side of things. And like, it's okay if you die a hundred times in a game, you know, there's no consequence, fair enough, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but for us, we look at it as an education and training tool from a sociology side of things, an organization skills development programs, a finance program when you start running tournaments, things like that. Um, and then there's leadership. And so we, you know, we could get in and start talking about the ethos of rugby and how they parallel to what goes on in esports, if you want, James, because I think that that's, that's really the niche and the conduit of where the connection happens 
between what we're trying to do in rugby and in esports. And to the point is, in East, in flag rugby, it's a Title IX compliant sport. Mm -hmm. There's no difference between the men's and boys and girls. Mm -hmm. They play on the same team at the same time. And so they actually go out and run. They go out and do this all together. And I think that that is important. Um, yes, we need to have uh, control over that and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we know that working and playing together is way more important than having the social division and everything else. So it's about building the team. But it's also about building the self-confidence. Because I, that's important for you, know, for you leading into your future as a student, as an adult, and, and accomplishing your goals. And I look at the opportunities built around flag rugby. As you said, it, it, it's Title IX compliant. It's co-gender, just like our teams are co-gender, uh, multi-gender, if you will. And I look at that and I go, okay, if I'm an, an esports general manager and I want to incorporate um, at, uh, uh, at movement, activities, uh, exercise into my training, because you should, your esports team is going to benefit from things like weightlifting because that helps with problem solving. You're going to benefit from aerobic training because that's going to help with keeping your heart rates low at uh, the most exciting points of games. But, you know, even, you know, with rugby, it's all about not just taking the ball and running forward. It's about the awareness of your teammates around you. It's knowing who is where and what without even realizing or knowing consciously that they're necessarily there. It's almost like a subconscious game on a lot of levels. And being able to quickly look around at a glance and decide at a moment instance what you have to do. And that's training that while it can happen in, in the game that you're playing, say, for example, Overwatch, where there's, it's six on six and you each have a role, and you're but that role can change and fluctuate during a game. With rugby, that's a lot of the same thing. And, and I see that, you know, a thing like flag rugby can be carried into a training regimen for an esports team where, again, you can only pass the ball backwards. Uh, you have to know as you run forward when you're coming into contact who is around you uh, and being, be able, being able to be prepared to line up for that next movement. Because we know with rugby, just like with esports, when somebody goes off script, when somebody goes off plan and they decide, I'm just going to go do my own thing and, and, and run you know, into contact or go over here in, in an esports match and I'm just going to try to do my own thing over here, that leads to disaster when one person gets out of sync with the rest of the team. Yeah, so we call that support. And, and it's really what you're doing. Sometimes you, you are, like if you take a big person like me, mm. who, uh, you know, my, my job is to get in there and take on the big guys and everything else and really, you know, not to be the sacrificial lamb on a regular basis, to be the tackler and the tacky, uh, you know, the ball carrier. And, mm. and but the, the people who tend to get the glory, as we all know, we call them, backs because they're out there hanging around fixing their hair you know you know putting on their makeup that kind of stuff we're joking around miss, right? miss, miss, missing but, passes you know, they're waiting for their opportunity of moment of glory well but you know to the point is is that they're they're, they're supporting mechanisms everybody has a role mm -hmm. and the the cool thing is, is that we all appreciate our roles it's you don't sometimes you don't need the glory. You just don't need the glory. And sometimes you do need the glory. And it's really cool when one of us big guys actually get the opportunity to score. Because you know, that's the really exciting part. But to, to your to get back to your point, we work together. Peripherally, we know okay, this is what our responsibility is. And if we go off script, we we actually open up opportunities for our opposition. 
And and when I say script, it's not like it's laid out like this is play A and play B. It's no, that we know that we operate within parameters of what our responsibilities are. Mm -hmm. I am my job is would not be to run down the fastest guy in the field. In fact, it would be closer, much closer to run down the slowest guy in the field. And yeah. to that point, right? So, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you were playing a game and you're like the sniper, your job is not to be in the front line. Your mm -hmm. guy is to protect the guys who were in the front line, as an example, right? Um, but you know those those game innuendos way more than I do. I'm new to the space. Uh, I'm an ex-police officer, so I get all this whole uh, you know, hold back and the cover fire stuff. And but, but there has to be, you know, even as we're talking about the person with the ball, right? In, in eSports, just with rugby, you, if you don't have the ball, it is important to communicate with your teammates at all times, to know where everybody is, to set up and see two or three moves ahead. Uh, the communication aspects, you know, that's one of the hardest things to teach people because, you know, a lot of us, especially in the United States, are so hooked on American football. Usually, once the play starts, there's not a whole lot of communication that takes place. And you, you have to train people to call things out. And again, with esports, that we're, that's what we're trying to do with kids is we're trying to teach them to not be silent while they're playing the game because a lot of them learn to play in silos or by themselves, but really try to teach them how to call things out, how to see the big landscape, how, how in-game leadership can change on a moment just because somebody sees something and shouldn't be afraid to call things out. So there are so yeah. many great, there's so many great parallels here uh, between esports and rugby that I think, um, you know, again, as you talked about, you want to introduce flag rugby into uh, schools. Esports, I think, is a great vehicle um, to do that, again, with our training that needs to take place in order to prepare for esports matches. Yeah, so if I could just go back just quickly. I mean, the, the, your, your nail has been hit right on the head. The, the key is, is that we need to start seeing and evaluating and you know putting the plans together in order to execute and, and win the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, and, and sometimes you have to be adaptive because because you're also playing against a competition who are also adaptive as well. So you have to have that ability to be able to adapt on the fly. So, but if, if you, to your point you made a few minutes ago, if I am a rugby player and I go it on my own, there's very little success chance. Mm -hmm. Maybe personally, right? Right. But from a team aspect of it, that, that diminishes the more individualistic you become and the less athletic you become or less trained you become and things like that. So all those parameters come into play. So the harder you train, the more educated you are, the better you are at team management, like you said, planning, uh, seeing in the future, not uh, seeing the future, but <laughs> adapting phase one, phase two into the future, things like that. You become way more adaptable and likely to succeed. And, you know, we're talking about games. Think about that in real life. I, it's a parallels of carrying this forward into successful uh, personal development is really not to be lost in this conversation. And it's also important to point out too, as we, as we're having this conversation is that while rugby is not a, an incredibly popular sport here in the United States, it does have pockets, especially at the collegiate level. There's a, there's a lot of interest of it at the collegiate level. That's where I learned to play was at Purdue university. It was the first time I had ever played it. Um, and, and I think cause a lot of it is it exists as club sports. You get a lot of kids, um, who, you know, for example, mo a lot of boys who played football in high school who aren't ready to play at the collegiate level or un are unable to. But, you know, rugby kind of fits into that, fill, f scratches that itch, fills that niche, if you will. But there's that international connection, too. And just like how esports has this international connection, 
rugby has that international connection as well. It's 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 teams like South Africa and Great Britain uh, or excuse me, England. Sorry, because England and Wales split in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, the UK. So you got three teams actually there. Uh, Ireland. Um, and then you go over into Asia and you've got uh, Russia has a decent team. Uh, Japan has a huge team. Uh, China is really not taken to, to esports, nor do I think oh. South Korea has. Well, you, you, unless you know otherwise. I know Fiji, you know, countries like Fiji has, has, have and New Zealand and Australia have all taken, obviously, into rugby. But we have to also think about the worldwide connection potential that there is here. 100%. So the, one of the questions back was, what is the Rugby Foundation, right? right. We are, we are American-based, but we operate basically from Alaska to Argentina and the Caribbean. But we've also helped support programs in Africa and, uh, and the Polynesian community and even Asia. So, so we're actually getting global, global needs and global support. And we already see it. It's about helping those who need it. Some of it's money. Some of it could be just direction, management, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So to us, now we're having this connectivity across outside of America. And the, the more you have that, the more you can either appreciate what you have in domestic, but you can also help other people succeed in those kind of things. So when you're working with, let's say, Fiji, who mm -hmm. is one of the top teams in the world in sevens for sure, uh, the real fast team and everything else, you watch their game. There's very little scripted action in the game of Fiji. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, they, they adapt on the fly. That's what makes them so exciting to watch. It makes them so exciting as a team because they all have this instinctual thing about they play together and then they do things that we all go, wow. And yet we watch it all the time and we're still like wowed by their uh, athleticism and that kind of stuff. And, and that's, that's just something that is really, really cool to watch. But at the same time, to your point, rugby is actually the third most popular sport in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's just that it's not that popular in the United States. And, and, and what's great, and to go back on Fiji for a second, and here's where, again, some great esports um, correlation can take place. Fiji is not a, a wealthy country, if you will. And you look at their training that they do with their rugby teams, and it isn't at some high end you know, sports facility like Ireland or England uh, may have. Uh, they're literally doing this on beaches, on sand hills and lagoons, and, and, and they're doing it all out in nature. I mean, a lot of their training. I mean, if you've never seen their training before, look up Fiji rugby training, and it's probably going to make you throw up just watching it because of how hard they train outside in the heat and in nature. And it's just uh, with esports again, there are, there are going to be teams who have PCs with, uh, you know, high-end graphics cards and processors and chips. But, you know, I've seen teams who are operating with monitors that are, you know, castaways and machines that they've basically tried to just piecemeal together as best they can, who can be just as successful as anybody else. And it's really around organization and belief and, and again, having a process and a system in place. So one of the things that you're aware of is that as we age out, what do we do with our rugby kit, our jerseys and stuff like that? Keep we on. pass them on to people who just come into it, right? Because oh, I can do that it's too. All I'm sorry? Yeah, I can do that. I say I keep them, but yes, I can pass them on. There's not many people my size who uh, <laughs> who fit my jerseys. No, but but to, to the point, I mean, there's, that, that's another way we help people entry point into our sport is that we we get that you know there's there's a small barrier of entry into the sport 
-hmm. while it may be more technical based on esports, it's the same problems. It's about having the ability to be able to be a part of something, a collective. And in our world, it's a it's in rugby world, it's a low entry point. But even for that point, there could be a difficult person who you know doesn't have a hundred dollars to get into this, to buy a jersey, or whatever the case may be is, or or cleats, mm. uh, those kind of things. So we, you know, as teams, we always give to the new people that come in part of it who don't have that stuff, and and they'll they'll be part of it. And I I know that that happens in the esports world where it's you know hey we'll give you our, our old computer or our old headsets or whatever like it happens. Yeah, and that's again another relationship, right? And, you know, again, if people are still wondering, you know, how do you connect esports and rugby together? Uh, a great example is NACEF has a tremendous um, connection to the Anaheim Ducks, uh, the Smoley Foundation, uh, which funds NACEF, North America Scholastic Esports Federation, uh, owns the Anaheim Mighty Ducks or Anaheim Ducks. I guess they don't call themselves the Mighty Ducks anymore. But um, uh, and and. And what they've been able to do is uh, tournaments with the NHL games, but not just tournaments like that. I mean, they're doing all sorts of other things right now. They're doing a tournament where um, create, I think it's create a hockey rink using Minecraft um, oh. to develop it. So there, it, it's, it's these, you know, people look at things like NBA 2K and I, I'm, I like, I, I enjoy watching NBA 2K. I, I have a good relationship with the Milwaukee Bucks team here. Um, but it is very basketball focused and they're focused on the 2K game. What NASEF has been able to do is say, hey, let's take this NHL game and let's do other, let's look at the whole ecosystem around it and let's do something with it. And I hope that's what we're looking at too with, with rugby and esports, because I really look at that ecosystem again around health and wellness, around um, inclusion that you talked about, not just gender uh, or ability include, but also like uh, as you said, working with uh, those with disabilities, uh, the wheelchair rugby aspects. You know, esports has a, a fantastic using assistive technology tools. We can include everybody, give everybody a chance to play on an equal field um, or an equal game. So um, I really see a lot of potentially great benefits here as you're starting to ramp up uh, the presence of the Rugby Foundation in uh, esports. And I appreciate that. So. I mean, that's that's the general concept that I have in my head for the last two, three months about trying to put this all together, trying to create the, uh, the rugby esports league um, and you know, building that collective of common relationships um, where there's no barrier to entry, where there's no barrier that prevents somebody to joining a team because of a gender or age or ability, physical disability or mental disability, you have the ability to participate in it. And while we tend to do that in our sport, we need to do better at it. And we will do better. And this is one of the ways that we will do better. And like you know, talking with NASEF last week, I'm very excited about that relationship, uh, building that out. Oh, sorry. No, no, you can talk, but no. let's, <laughs> let's, we want to keep that, that. Let's keep that a little bit of a secret here. Yeah, okay. That that'll be that'll be in the next podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So so the point is is that um, we are working together to try to make things happen, and um, you know the timing. I, I, there's never really a perfect timing, but if given the current situations that's going on in our world, mm. and our world being outside of sports, just with the COVID nineteen response and everything else. 
Uh, we've already seen a huge uptick in participation in online sports, esports, that kind of stuff. Um, and we want to be able to capitalize on that aspect where we can actually say, we're going to do this for a rugby component, but it could, it could be Overwatch. It could be Call of Duty. It could be some other sport. It doesn't have to be a rugby game, mm. but it's great if it's a rugby game. But we want to build, help get, get our people engaged because, you know, as rugby players or match officials, we're all itching to get back in the field. And we don't know how long that's going to be. We've already been off for two and a half months, 10 weeks, and we're expecting probably at least another four weeks before there's any kind of a directive. Right. So that's a big shutdown for, well, not for you guys in the Midwest, where you guys shut down for five months a year because there's winter. <laughs> we don't shut down because it's winter. We shut down because it's too hot. And even then, we still play at night. So, <laughs> Well, Phil, where can people find out more information about the Rugby Foundation? Yeah, so our website is therugbyfoundation.org. Um, and we also have our Facebook page. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and, of course, social media, Twitter. Um, we're, we're, we're relatively new at getting out of the gate on this stuff, but the website is actually pretty kept up to pretty up to date, like weekly for sure. Uh, we encourage people if they want to get involved and it, it, whether it's if you have a rugby background, you want to come out and say, hey, I'm available to coach flag rugby or I'm interested in being a part of it. Reach out. We all have the direct links inside of the website for sure. And, and I don't want to put people off that this is a relatively new organization. You also just named somebody pretty major to your uh, advisory board as well, too, for your organization. Is that correct? Yeah. So Frank Shankwitz, who was the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, joined our board of directors uh, last month. And Frank is an ex-police officer, ex-Air Force person. He loves, he loves what we're trying to do within the uh, Rugby Foundation with our four pillars. Uh, and it's very similar to what he was, his personal beliefs and why he created Make-A-Wish. So that's outstanding. And, and, you know, that's the kind of uh, representation. He doesn't know anything about rugby, mm -hmm. but he knows about helping people, helping the community, helping the underserved people, and helping support those who need support, right? So it's a great addition, fantastic addition. We're hoping to make a few more announcements similar to that probably in the next four to six weeks because you know, ultimately uh, it's about building the best organization we could possibly do and keeping it that way. And, and I look forward to the ideas. As much as I love esports, I do love rugby. If I can promote rugby through esports, great. And if I can promote esports through rugby, even better. Oh, no, we, we will. There's that yeah. synergy. We've got that piece of the puzzle. We're going to work together on this. So, James, you know, I appreciate you for what you've done and the inclusion of me into this whole aspect of it and guiding me in a lot of ways and making a lot of introductions. So you're the man. You and Bubba, Brian, there's several of you guys who are really, really important, and I appreciate it. Phil, thank you so much for being on the Academy of Esports podcast today. Thank you very much, James. All the best. That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter at Jim O'Hagan. That's at 
J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N, and through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash taoesports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week. <laughs>